This is the Key 5 Podcast for speakers by speakers with your host, Robert Ferguson, where you'll get quick, relevant tips to build your speaking business. Welcome to the Key 5 Podcast for speakers by speakers. For show notes and to get free stuff, go to key5podcast.com. Today, we're talking with Tim Todorai, who provides executive coaching, HR consulting, and message management services that help individuals and organizations shape their success stories. Let's get started. So, Tim, tell us, uh, how'd you get started in the speaking business? Well, for a long time, I thought I was in the speaking business, but I was really doing training and large group uh, seminars at two completely different animals. I learned the difference the hard way when uh, somebody uh, there was an external speaker got stuck in a snowstorm and I had to cover for them on the fly. And, and boy, that was a, a tough outing, but uh, I definitely was able to uh, rise to the challenge, learned a lot of good lessons, but uh, managed to come through it okay. And since then, I uh, took that lesson and, and moved on. Wow. I've heard a number of people who said it's, it's like being thrown into the water and learning how to swim as you're doing it. Well, absolutely. I mean, the, the training bit gives you more to work with and more time and material and mediums. And uh, I, l- I look at it as a much more forgiving, um, you know, wonderful thing to do, but much more forgiving. Whereas a, a speech is like a high wire act with no net. You're, you're out there and you got to make it happen in one take. Wow. That's a good analogy. I love that one. One of the things that I've listened to various speakers, Tim, is, is you know, we, we do all our preparation, but some of our biggest learning comes from the mistakes we've made. What are some of the biggest mistakes you've learned from? Well, you know, in an hour-long show, I'd probably be able to cover it, but <laughs> it seems like it, uh, a lot of that happens. For me, the biggest one is like a new speaker. Um, I was so happy to book a gig uh, that it was a great thing to do, but uh, it, there was always the dark side of that, which meant that in early days, I didn't speak up for what I needed to be successful. And so one time, um, I let the conference producers uh, control the space totally. And there was uh, the stage that was a bit squeaky. There was the seating that was pulled back. And the tech wasn't exactly what I wanted. And you know that external noise kind of was distracting everybody, including me. And I simply, at that point, didn't have the confidence to express what I needed to be successful. And then, so on that day, I wasn't. Um, now, you can't always control the environment that you're in. Uh, but I should have asked for more. It was a great learning for me. And then it allowed me the confidence to do that going forward and then make those on the fly adjustments that you need to be successful in the moment. I like the way you have leveraged that by confidence versus control because we can't control everything. But I appreciate that distinction. That's awesome. To many speakers, when they, uh, they get into the speaking business, if they're thrown in or however they end up starting, there's a real nervousness. We know there's a popular saying of many people feared uh, speaking more than death. How did you overcome nervousness to speak? I never did. I just embraced it. Um, I'm one of those off the chart introverts, actually. And so I always have the jitters before I go on stage. But usually what I find is that after the first 30 seconds or after the first laugh, I relax and the nerves just go away and I have fun with the audience. That's awesome. So as you are, let's say you have a gig coming up and you're preparing for that speech, what sort of things do you do to help prepare for that presentation? Three things. I, I like to have the first minute down cold. I like to have that memorized. I like to know my stories uh, inside and out. 
and then I work the transition so that they can have sort of a conversa conversational flow. Um, the other thing is I like to employ what I call the burst into flames technique, which means that if I was walking on stage and my presentation happened to burst into flames, I should be so well prepared that I can give it anyway. Um, that's never happened, of course, but the tech has gone out and the lights have gone uh, nutty. And just being able to deliver it with uh, the preparation that you have is, is something that you can rely on. You know, having that allows you to be flexible and spontaneous in the moment. Wow. Well, preparation is key. A lot of people talk about that. And if you really get to know your presentation well, when you're delivering it, are you actually focused on the presentation or is your mind on other things as your mouth is speaking? How is it working for you? <laughs> yeah, at that point, once I've done all the work and I'm actually engaging with the audience, my focus really is there. At that point, I'm trying to read them. You know, are the jokes landing? Are the points resonating? Am I connecting with them on an emotional level? And you know, that's where you really develop the relationship. And having all that prep preparation up front then allows you to play a little bit and go you know, off script if you need to and come back on and still have that, um, that flexibility uh, to be able to do that. Excellent. So in your speaking style, and I've heard you speak, you tell great stories, and you're a very unique speaker, meaning you surprised me of what I was almost expecting, and you, you engaged me immensely. Who have been some of the mentors or role models that you've looked to in helping build your speaking style? So I'm sort of a student in general, so I like to learn from everyone. I try to pick out one thing that's great about everybody that I see and pull that into the tool bag. But overall, what I actually like to do is watch comedians. Um, I think that they're a little bit obviously different than most uh, professional speakers, but what they bring to the table are their incredible storytelling and their sense of timing and their emotional connection with the audience. You know, as a business guy, and a lot of times that's not there. So you know, having that other side of the force, if you will, to kind of work with, it, it's really helpful. So I, I look uh, to them for some inspiration and guidance. Fascinating. Well, a question that many speakers in the professional business trying to build their professional speaking business, are there certain things that you've looked to to help get opportunities to speak and to build your speaking business? Yeah, I think certainly you look at your breadth of, of contacts and, and folks that have seen you professionally and the work that you do uh, and leverage those. You can also look at some of the um, associations uh, that you've done work for and with and try to use that to break in. Um, the more you can get up in front of people and have them see uh, what you do and the value that you bring to the table, that's usually the best marketing is the, the word of mouth uh, that you do. Because it's, it's one of those uh, mediums that you actually have to see it. You have to see it live to make sure, or at least see it on a video to make sure that you you know you know what you're getting. And, and that's, uh, that's the way to do it for me. Wonderful. So as we, I often like to look for recommendations for our speakers, so, you know, giving tips if you were, to, for our listeners, is there a, a key recommendation that you would offer up to help improve their speaking or speaking business? Sure. I mean, for me, one of them is really about balance. It comes down to balance. And by that, I mean spending the time to learn the techniques of speaking without becoming enslaved by them. And this is, if you think about it, one of the most personal, most intimate forms of communication. You have to be yourself when you're on stage. And the more you can do that, uh, the better off you'll connect with folks. That's awesome. Let me just follow that up. I hear a, a lot of folks talk about to be yourself. Is there something that 
uh, you've learned of, of how to be more of yourself, whether it's through resources or maybe even just studying yourself? Is there anything that's helped you become more you? <laughs> I, that's a great question, actually. It's um, really being able to relax. So as I mentioned, I'm, a, I'm an introvert. I'm usually uptight pretty much when I'm on, on stage right at the beginning. Taking that breath, taking that moment to be on stage before you're on stage uh, then allows you to, to enter that first moment with presence. And so once you do that, you lighten up a little bit and you, you realize that it's, and I think a lot of speakers say this, it's not about you. It's about them and you're there in a bit of service trying to help them. So the more you can be playful and enjoy that time, um, it, it allows you to open up and be who you are. Fabulous. Tim, this has been great. Thank you very much. And as we like to say to our listeners, see you on the stage. Fantastic. Now let's hear what Alan Hoffler has for us in our Millswick Minute. Today's speaking tip is about how to be relaxed when you start your presentation and ensure you start well. Most speeches are won or lost in the first 60 seconds. Because of that, it's the only part of a speech that I want a speaker to absolutely know before they walk on stage. Your opening is not the time to wing it or make something up on the fly. But equally important to the content of your opening is the delivery skills you exhibit during them. You should appear confident, which is of course quite different from actually feeling confident, through solid posture, deliberate eye contact, and emphatic pauses that show you are in control. These are easy skills to talk about and very difficult to master. Practice your opening until you know you can execute it flawlessly. There is too much writing on that first minute to figure it out on stage. One other tip, Avoid any chemicals, including caffeine or other stimulants, as well as relaxants or suppressants. Opening under control and with high impact and connection is the best way to get an audience engaged and expectant. I'm Alan Hoffler, and this is your Millswick Minute. Thanks, Alan. Now you know the reason why we start these podcasts with some great music and a solid introduction, because it's important we always start strong. On our next K5 podcast, I'll be interviewing Wendy Gates Corbett, who speaks nationally about the power of visuals and presenting powerfully with presence. I hope you can join us. To listen to all of our podcasts and learn more about our guests, go to k5podcast.com. That's K-E-Y and the number five, podcast.com. Remember, enter your name for a chance to win a copy of Alan's book, Presentation Sin. At the end of every month, we're giving away a book. So go to key5podcast.com today. Thanks for listening. This podcast was produced by your local studio. For more, go to key5podcast.com.